folks know when an evangelist takes out a phone and, and looks at the clock and then sets it down handy somewhere? How many, do you know what that means? There she is. Now she's not even a plant. That's the bad news. The good news is I usually preach about five minutes or eight if you'll listen. Amen? God is good all the time. Open your copy of God's Word to the second book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Let me turn that down just a little. All right, I'm squealing a little bit. Didn't want to do that. I'll be slobbering up here, but I don't want to squeal and slobber together. That was 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, starting at the 23rd verse. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 38. Are they, Paul says, are they, and he's talking about false teachers, super apostles. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, being beaten many times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep, have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brethren, have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, words on a page need me nothing, Holy Spirit, when you are here. Holy Spirit, have your will, your way. Hide me behind the cross at Calvary. Have the things that you have led me to say be directly from you. Mold this few minutes and have your will and your way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, there's a lot. We're missionaries. Some of you folks got that. We're missionaries. Uh, a lot of people are missionaries. They get called to Papua New Guinea or Africa or in our country, Appalachia, or a variety of different places, people get called to do mission work. And very rarely will you hear missionaries just moan and groan and carry on and, and go on and on about their troubles. Uh, some of you folks know a lot of our troubles have to do with travel and weather. And um, we got everything loaded in last night because we knew it was going to rain today. I know last year we were here, and our bus was a wing and a prayer getting here. This year, Thank the Lord it's running well. Somebody said, oh, don't say that out loud. Well, we don't believe in all that karma stuff because we're believers, amen? If it breaks, God wanted it to break for some reason. We got a chance to fellowship with people last year because it broke and it was all good. But the truth is, that's our situation. Now, Paul, he, he, you know, he struggled, but a lot of times you, you'd hear in Scripture as he wrote a, a third of the, two-thirds of the New Testament, you'd hear that his struggles led to a blessing. And that's what you normally hear from missionaries, you hear that their struggles will, will take a blessing. Now, when Paul, uh, this scripture that I just read, he was very, very frustrated and to the point of sarcasm because in the Corinthian church, super apostles, he called them, slick 
apostles had come in around his simple presentation of the gospel and had begun feeding the people with a false narrative and drawing them away. Maybe Judaizers, we're not sure exactly who he was talking about, but people that weren't talking about the simple gospel had come in and all the Corinthians were looking at these polished up people. So Paul, he's, if you read the verses before, he's almost working himself up into a frenzy before he just unloads. You think there's something. Let me tell you what I've done. And he goes through this whole diatribe of all these terrible things he's had to endure. And little did he know that made the case for the super apostles that were saying, hey, if you're walking the right way, you won't have all these troubles. But missionaries, any missionary who is sent out on the field has a list like this. We all go through troubles and struggles For Mary and I, as I said, it's something that we don't always talk about, but for us it's travel. Wind chill time and looking through that windshield, five and a half hours to get here yesterday, and there's nothing but trees and the gray mountains of Vermont. Oh no, that's the green mountains of Vermont, isn't it? Yesterday they were the gray mountains of Vermont, thanks to our friends from the north. How come we can't send planes and people up there put those fires out? I don't know, I'm getting off subject, I'm sorry. But we don't always talk about the rough life on the road. And a lot of times when life gets tough for us, we look back at this passage that Paul wrote and say, we haven't had it this bad yet. Amen? We haven't had the kind of struggles that the Apostle Paul had. Mary and I sometimes will go on and on. You know, you have to when some of you folks are married and know that in the privacy of your own home, in the privacy of your own bus, You scream in the bus, but you don't ever, what we say is what's said in the bus stays in the bus, and we don't carry it out into the world. Our musician friends many, many times will say, we would play music for free. We get paid to travel. And for Mary and I, we need funding for travel. We proclaim the gospel for nothing. The truth is, for the missionary, no matter what the hardship is, You live through all of that for that divine appointment. Do you know what I mean when I say divine appointment? For that time when somebody walks up to you, and Brother Brian had this opportunity at VBS he was sharing with, when he he was ministering and witness to a young person, and she asked, tell me what sin is. Isn't that awesome? Get that opportunity for the door to be open, for the Holy Spirit to speak to someone's heart, make it pliable, all that tilled ground is now fertile, and you get to be that person who gets to share the gospel with someone. We live for that. We live for that. Missionaries live for that. People live in darkest Africa. They live in Papua New Guinea. They live in old buses. They do what they have to do to get to that point when that person walks up and says, I want you to tell me the good news. I want, what are you here for? Explain to me what sin is. Explain to me what that big word salvation means. Sometimes Mary and I feel like we're spiritual lifeguards. Sometimes we feel like we're spiritual lifeguards. You know, we're sitting, you know how a lifeguard sits on the bench all day long for day after day and week after week waiting for somebody to hold their hand up and say, here I am. We feel like that sometimes for us because we spend many, many hours sitting at that booth many, many conversations. A lot of times those conversations are not spiritual, but we listen and we go through and we have interface with people waiting for that chance for somebody to hold that hand up and say, I'm ready to hear. 
Now, I'm going to suggest to you this morning, I still have your attention. Everybody's looking at me. Nobody's fallen asleep yet. That's good. Because usually when somebody falls asleep, I'm Baptocostal, amen? When somebody falls asleep on Preacher Mike, I'll slip up slowly while they're sleeping. And I'll say, did you know we're here today to talk about Jesus? And that just makes me... All believers can have the same opportunity that we have of leading someone to the Lord. I'm going to suggest to you this morning, Georgia Plains Baptist Church, that you too are evangelists. You too are missionaries. One of our elders in our sending church calls us professional Christians. <laughs> it just means we do this and nothing else. But the truth is, anybody who's a blood-bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ could do the same thing and proclaim his salvation day by day. Somebody might say, why? You know, we'll support you. You go out there. We got Pastor Tyler. We got deacons. We, we got people. We got, we got a committee to do that. Amen? We got a committee, Brother Mike. We don't, we don't, need, we don't need to do it our, ourselves, do we? Well, there's a thing in the back of the book of Matthew you might have read. It's called the Great Suggestion. Amen? Did you know that? Some of these sisters up front, they've read the great su su suggestion, amen? When Jesus said, go ye. All power is given to me, he said first, before he gave the great commission. He said, all power is given to me. Therefore, go ye therefore, baptizing, preaching, lead. Friends, it's the great commission. And it's not just for professional Christians and evangelists. It for all believers. Your mission field involves the daily activities that you're involved with and people that I will never have the opportunity to meet. People that Pastor Tyler will never have the opportunity to meet. People that the deacons, people have been cut out of the herd. That's a southern thing for you to preach to, for you to minister to. You can do it without all the baggage of travel. You don't have to run around in a motorhome. Your normal everyday life is going to lead you to a people group that God has called you to minister to. Some churches we go to, on the back door as people leave, it actually says, you are now entering your mission field. So where am I talking about? I, I've told you the why. You say why? Because I'm commissioned. Just now, today, now, everybody's not going to listen to this, okay? Everybody's not going to leave here saying, boy, I thought he was going to talk for five minutes. <laughs> everybody's not going to leave here saying, you know what? He's not special. They're not special. I'm a believer. I got the Holy Spirit living in me. Same Holy Spirit's living in him. Same Holy Spirit living in the Apostle Paul and all of the apostles all the uh, elders in the church. Same Holy Spirit lives in me. I can go out into the lost and dying world. Some will listen. That's why you do it. Where you do it, I'd refer you to Acts 1, 8. In Acts 1, 8, Luke wrote, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, that scripture, in that scripture early in Luke, early in Acts, Luke outlines the book of Acts. 
and how Paul and others are going to carry the gospel locally and then nationally. And as you know, Paul, all the Asia Minor and in Greece and the places that he went and traveled in his missionary journeys. But it's also for us today to look maybe geographically at what our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria are. Now, I looked at the map, and thank the Lord I looked at the map before I got here. You don't have any cell service here at all. No internet. Somebody's got to give me the Wi-Fi, or I may not even be able to get home to tomorrow. But I looked at the map. Friends, your Jerusalem is Georgia Plains. You know that the people that you see at restaurants, the people you see at secular events outside, the sister read the great things that you're doing inside. But you know that those town events outside, even if you don't completely agree with what they're doing, you need to be mixed into that because Georgia Plains is your Jerusalem, missionary evangelist friend of mine. That's where God's called you to. Judea and Samaria, if you look at land area, is Franklin, Orleans, and Essex counties, your northern counties. That's what, that's what Luke is talking about when he's talking about your Judea and Samaria, just the northernmost counties. And the remotest parts of the world are everywhere else, kind of like Montpelier. <laughs> Amen? Been to Montpelier, interesting place. Lots of fertile ground to spread the gospel down there. Amen? And some people do think the remotest. Now, how are you going to do it? You know, how, somebody said, you know, I don't know anything about spreading the gospel. I've not been trained. I've not been, I've not been to seminary. I've not, I've not, I don't have the, I don't have the tools. I don't, devil loves those. I don't, I don't, I don't. The first and most important thing, if you're going to be a missionary evangelist, is to live your faith. You see, you can't, have something coming out of your mouth as a testimony and as a witness to a good God that people don't see you live every single day outside the bus. See, you can't, people can call a hypocrite out of a crowd in a second. And let me tell you, out on the road, when missionary evangelists like Mary and I are out here telling people that Jesus Christ died for their sins, and they need to accept him personally in that sacrifice he made on Calvary Mountain before they can be saved and get on the other side with us to glory. Lots of times we hear, yeah, I know about you Christian people. God told me one time, I, early on in the ministry, I had several businesses back when I worked. He said one of my businesses was selling cars to municipalities. And a man that worked for me who was a born-again believer and talked about Jesus all the time, stole seven cars from me. What do you think about that, preacher man? We've been digging out of that hole with more than him. Friends, when you go out there and you live contrary to the faith that you exercise out of this book, you're making a big mess that missionary evangelists are trying to clean up. If you're out there and you're not going to live your faith, will you please, please, please just don't even tell people you come to church. Just don't even tell people you're a believer. Because if you go out there and do something contrary and tell them you're all about this or invite them to VBS, there's a sweeping up. There's a 
correction. There's a digging out of a hole that missionary evangelists have got to do. So you've got to live your faith. The other thing you've got to do is create genuine friendships. We, we talk about friendship evangelism. Before one-on-one, -on -one, you get to lead somebody to a saving knowledge of Christ. You've got to legitimately befriend them, I feel. If I ever stand up and preach a heaven and hell message and 15 people come forward because I told some do dying dog story or got them emotionally drawn in, I'm always suspect of the profession of faith because this is a head thing that translates into your heart. But for you, one-on-one -on -one friendship evangelism is, is, evangelism is vital. The most important thing you can do to somebody you're befriending that you think God might have called you to witness to is to help them do something, amen? Have you read in the Word how Jesus himself walked around helping people? Now, he knew everyone who was going to receive him, and he knew some of the people he was helping were never going to get it, but what did he do? He helped them anyway. The other thing you can do if you decide to go out there and tell somebody the good news, be an evangelist missionary, personal missionary, is to pay attention when something's being preached or taught in Sunday school or taught in VBS. Pay attention as though you were going to be the teacher tomorrow. Do you know that when you listen to something with the idea that I'm going to have to teach this, you listen oh so much better? Do you know that? Some of you folks do know that. Most important thing you can do before you step out is bathe your efforts in prayer. You know, a lot of people forget to pray. Do you all forget to pray? I forget to pray sometimes, I'll be honest with you. There's nobody, no Christian believer who's going to stand before Almighty God and him say, boy, you sure did pray a lot. <laughs> I know some good ones. My nanny was a prayer warrior. When she passed away, three preachers stood up. She was 90-some years old. Three preachers stood up and said, God's going to have to raise up a couple, three to pray like Nanny Robinson. But I promise you, it didn't make it down in the DNA. But if God has you called to pray and minister and to witness to somebody, before your feet get out of the bed, you need to pray for that person. God, give me the words to say, Holy Spirit, remind me of the things I heard on Sunday. Holy Spirit, give me words that I don't have. This lady does a lot of the counseling in our ministry. She does a lot of the one-on-one. -on -one. I'm sort of the big picture guy. I hit him and run, amen? I hear things coming out of her I know she hasn't studied and doesn't know. I hear things coming out of me when people come up to me and say, when you preached about so-and-so, you said this or that, and I say, I didn't say that. It's not in my notes. The Holy Spirit in you knows every word he told the writers in this book to write. He knows every word he told the writers to write. He will bring to mind things you don't know if you read it, if you study it, if you listen. You will say things and you will be amazed. Let me tell you something. When you're ministering to somebody and something comes to you that you know you didn't know, let me tell you, you talk about, you talk about tingling. Oh, man, tingling. When the Holy Spirit is telling you the next thing to say and you're just being a hammer in the hand of God, there's no better place to be. We showed some pictures of people that we were able to baptize, people that we were able to lead to the Lord. Let me tell you, there's no job, there's no kid, there's no grandkid, there's no party, 
There's no anything better on this planet than when you, someone gets to the point of saying, I am ready to pray a simple sinner's prayer with you. You have told me enough about the gospel to where I'm ready to kneel with you and ask Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. Friends, there is nothing in, on this planet, in this world, that'll make you feel better. And it won't make you feel better just till your 80, 90 years is up and you pass on. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in all of eternity, they and that person can walk hand in hand. And you can look to God and say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to make a difference in that person's life. Now, many of you won't do it. Many of you will come and say, oh, he said five minutes, it's been 20. I don't know, he's a lying preacher. Many of you won't do it. Some will. That little book is yours to keep. Our phone number is on the front of that book. Call me anytime. If you get somebody to a point and you're backed in a corner and you don't know what to say, call me. I don't care what time of day and night it is. I'll be willing to talk to you about spiritual things and help you guide somebody through the scriptures. Help you lead somebody to the Lord. Always pray for missionaries. We have a tough road. It's not easy. We have obstacles and barriers and things like the Apostle Paul said in this scripture that we have to overcome. You don't have those things. Consider yourself a missionary as you leave these doors. You're going out into your mission field. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, have it be so. Lord Jesus, we ask that at least one person today might get the idea that they can make a difference. Lord, we know we all can. Father God, we've seen it by your hand, not by ours. Lord, as, as Paul said, we would rely on you and not ourselves, that you would give us the words to say when we're before kings, when we're before people you've called us to minister to. Lord, we know you will give us the words to say you're a good God. We love you. We thank you for this day. We'd ask you to indwell each of us as we leave here with a new sense that we should go out and tell a lost and dying world that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.